0: Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Hey! Media presents the Yelling in My Ear podcast. Documentary filmmaker Dan Napoli and ad agency creative director John Battistini revisit movies, music, TV shows, and pop culture events from the 80s and 90s they experienced as kids. Some of it was great. Some of it was terrible. But all of it will be fun as these longtime friends talk about what influenced them growing up. Welcome to the Yelling in My Ear podcast.
1: New latest episode of Yelling in My Ear. I am Dan Napoli
2: from Heard Out Films. I am John Battistini from my basement.
1: Slash your office, right? Yeah,
2: slash office, slash my yeah. dad's hangout space so my parents are in town. Um, yeah.
1: And we have, of course, our producer... Our, God, easy for me to say. Our producer... Sasha Durgan classing up the joint as well.
0: Hello. Hello. Good morning. Yeah, good yeah. morning.
2: We're doing this in the morning. This is new for us. I have a very bright window behind me. Usually it, it turns dark as we progress on these. Yeah. Yeah, dude.
1: No guarantee how, A, how this will turn out, or B, that I just won't dash out in the middle of this to go fill up coffee. So,
2: Ah, jealous. <laughs>
1: jealous. Just, just like warning you. ahead of time.
2: Fair enough, but well, um, we are going to be talking about something fun this time. So yeah, dude. Not that we don't tape. talk about fun stuff all the time. But.
1: Yeah, what are you? What are you insinuating, John? Am I supposed yeah, to take no, that exactly. personally? <laughs> um, yeah, man. Staying staying on the music tip, as mm-hmm. um, if you're watching the video podcast, um, the T-shirt marking out um, <laughs> communicates. We're going to talk about New York City hardcore, um, and we may branch out
2: beyond just New York City, Dan. Because yeah, I I, I kind of I work, uh, you know.
1: Yeah. We're going to start there and yeah. like who knows where where it, it will go but
2: maybe Allentown, who knows. We'll see where we end yeah. up. Yeah,
1: dude, I'm I'm interested though. I mean, you growing up in like in New York in in the 80s and 90s, it's really sort of the the mm. epicenter obviously of of how a lot of that stuff started, man. So, I'm 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 really curious like how, where did you intersect with it? Like what did it mm. what connected with you early?
2: Well, let's 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 lay some ground rules. I'm not like super hardcore kid. So I was on the periphery, but I was really into it. So let's lay that down right now. I don't, you know, I don't need to be called out for yeah, not being truly in the scene and being a poser. Like whatever, man. I like the music. Yeah. Um so let's just let's just put that put that line in the sand there. Um if I can
1: put one more line on top of it mm- too is like it, this isn't supposed to be this is not the definitive like New York hardcore lesson like there's other podcasts that you can do. Oh, about I'm going to get or, stuff like, wrong
2: all yeah, like if we like, missed some obscure judge show anything. that was yeah.
1: in like your okay. cousin's basement in 86. That's fine. We're really talking you you. about how yeah. the music connects to us and yeah, sort yeah, of how just, it's evolved. And I want to talk about how it's connected to Sasha, too, you know.
2: Yeah, definitely. I mean, this is going to be my recollection. So that's this right. is my truth. This Love is, it, or or my remembered truth of New York City hardcore and just hardcore in general. Because for me, it was exciting, you know, to be to be like, oh, I like these, you know, NYHC bands and stuff like that. But like, it was just I didn't discern whether they were from New York or Pennsylvania or you know Orange County. I had no idea. I mean, I was just like an idiot kid in high school. So, I mean. I remember getting an album, a cassette, a cassette, not an album, um, at some point. I have a CD version of it somewhere behind me. It's also available on on the streaming platform. It's called called New York Trash, I believe. It's like yellow, and it's got like a handwritten, a hand drawn thing on it. It had like a bunch of punk bands on it. Definitely not hardcore, but like... The Beastie Boys Riot Fight is on there, you know, back when they were like a hardcore band. There's a band called False Prophets on it. I think maybe Bad Brains on it. I don't know. I don't know. I saw it in a store and I bought it. And I thought it was really cool. And that kind of opened me up to a bunch of stuff. I have no idea what year that was. Had to be in the 80s. And then from there, it kind of went. I went to a very conservative Catholic uh, all-boys high school. And in there, I remember... I ate lunch with this really cool guy named Rich, who is super into New York hardcore. So this may be uh, the story of New York hardcore that John knows as told by Rich from high school. Um, awesome dude. And he would go to all the shows and stuff, and I'd hear about stuff on the weekend and stuff. But one of the guys we went to high school with who was older than us. His name, his name was also Rich. Wow, that's weird. Um, I don't remember his last name. It might have been like Lee G or something like that. He was a drummer in the band busting Out is my understanding. I wasn't friends with him. I, I maybe saw him once or twice, but I was like, oh, that's cool. Well, what's that? And I like, so I went and found that band to hear about, you know, that. And from there, that led me to an album at some like a band who is still on constant like rotation, which would be Gorilla Biscuits, oh. you know? And so that's where that kind of like got me into it. And there would like led to token entry and Timmy chunks and stuff like that. And, and, and all those things. And, you know, that's kind of how I got into it. And then it was just like, it didn't matter whether it was from New York or not. It, it just, you know, it was just like, it was hardcore and, you know, occasionally going to shows in the city and hardcore matinees. Sometimes there was someone Long Island. I forget what the name of the place was. And there was, you are definitely at CBGBs, that kind of thing. So that's, that's my history of New York hardcore. Thank you guys for listening to this episode of the podcast. Um, <laughs> tune right, in I'm next rat. time when we're going to talk.
1: But, dude, that's a whole – so talk about, like, dude, that's a whole thing of, of like, like hardcore matinees. Like, that's awesome yeah. that you sort of touched on that. Like, because like, that was a whole thing, right? It was just these, like, mm-hmm. afternoon yeah. shows.
2: And on the weekend, and, like, you'd go and you'd hang out outside. And, like, so my dad worked for Long Island Railroad at the time, so I had a train pass. So I was able to take the train into the city for free. So that helped facilitate. That, you know, kind of stuff. And I do remember like being in college in the early 90s, coming home over one of the breaks and taking some of my friends from college to one of the Super Bowl of hardcore. I don't, I know, I know Antidote (sighs) played. I don't remember who else played. (laughs) Um, it was a lot of fun. Like we had a really good time and they'd never been to it. So that was kind of cool to introduce them to that. They were all in bands, and I would go with them to shows at airport music hall in allentown i think it was in allentown pennsylvania um which was an old grocery store that did shows and i remember seeing a whole bunch of like bands there and so my journey was like you know going to shows in new york and then when i was away at college in scranton going to shows there and 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 that was like you know how i got into hardcore that's that's basically it what about you dan i mean i know you are not. this is not really your world but i mean you definitely were touched by it
1: yeah on like on the peripheral i mean i came in um later a little Mm -hmm. bit i came in in like like mid 90s and i came in Mm -hmm. through the first h2o record
2: oh okay Um, told me those guys yeah okay cool
1: um which, um, dude, I had to grab like, as I'm, I'm, I'm not gimmicking because they're sold out, but like, this was sort of their classic, like mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. what I'm wearing yep. their New York license plate. Um, mm-hmm. and they, they just did like a reissue of it. It's even got, the
2: oh, wow. Nice. Um,
1: so I came in, I can't remember how I got my hands on the, on it sort of, but the first mm-hmm. H2O, um, mm-hmm. like the white like record and like mm-hmm. originally you know obviously like I grew up in Denver and I was in mm-hmm. I don't think I was in high school it was probably in college at the time so it was here in Nebraska but I'm you know i'm I'm from Brooklyn originally and my family's right. still back there like that whole thing so it was like, oh cool this is band from New York and like I had kind of touched a little bit like like for me, I have to have some some punk or some mm-hmm. uh, um, melodic peanut butter in my chocolate of hardcore, mm. it just doesn't quite so, like, obviously tons of, like, respect to all of those bands, mm-hmm. but, like, hearing, like, um, so, you know, I started going backwards through H2O, but then hearing, like, mm. Cro-Mags or, like, Warzone mm. or, like, different, I'm like,
2: i uh, okay, yeah, Mad but, Ball, like... Yeah, Madball, Agnostic Front, like, yeah. I like all the anger. So, I was very angry. I was so angry. I feel like
1: <laughs> Agnostic Front had a little bit of melody, but, dude, what oh, you yeah, hit definitely. on, like, Gorilla Biscuits mm-hmm. was um i was like oh okay this is a little bit different Mm -hmm. and i thought had maybe a little more in common with Mm -hmm. like the stuff from dc
2: right 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 from the yeah i was a big minor threat fan and like a lot of the dc stuff and then when i discovered fugazi i was just like oh my god but yeah yeah, i i could go back and forth on on that kind of stuff but there was there's a part of me that was like super into the anger and the nonstop and, and even college, I was like, you know, into nuclear assault and like thrash metal at the same time. Like I would like that. Like now am I talking your world, Sasha? Am I starting to get into a little more of the stuff maybe you know about as I start getting into the angry thrash stuff?
0: Yes. Because you mentioned, so you said Fugazi and I'm like, Mm -hmm. yeah. So like my introduction, like, obviously I'm a little bit younger than you guys. Maybe really? We haven't discussed uh, that ever before.
2: Um, <laughs> define a lot. Yeah. <laughs>
0: but like one of the first shows I ever went to was in Sioux Falls. Sioux Falls back in the day, South Dakota, by the way, mm. um, had an amazing, amazing like underground music scene. Um, like cool. a lot of, a lot of really awesome bands went through there. One of the first shows that I ever went to was at the drive-in. hmm
2: um was that the name like, of the venue or the band at the
0: drive-in no the, the band at the drive-in okay. oh awesome um, so just making like, sure yeah so like that then started and i loved it it was amazing mm-hmm. but that then started me down the path to like seek out other music that was similar mm. so refused for me is okay and the oh. shape of punk to come is one of my all-time favorite albums and bands but then
2: mm.
0: liking refuse then that leads you down like I got really into terror and I got really into mm. mad ball and I really mm-hmm. got really into mm-hmm. the agnostic front. Um, right. and so like, then that just like parlays itself into like my husband's favorite band is botch, which like, then
2: I don't know gosh, them at all.
0: Allows you to like, go down this like treasure trove of music that was like, you know, following the, the melodies and like the, I don't want to say chugginess because I don't want to offend anybody, but like, you know, like, like that just feeling way kind of like, yeah. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Of what New York city hardcore laid it was out driving these other bands yeah. to exist. Yeah, for mm-hmm. sure. That like, is yeah, cool. every time I die is one of my favorite bands are from Buffalo, mm-hmm. New York. Like what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and
1: yeah. they're kind of like really that. It, I think it's cool. Sasha, it's interesting. You put it like that. Cause you're talking about like, like laying the layers in the foundation and then going up. And I, I cause I, I think y- you can see, you know, because every time I die is really a. I think a people forget even how long they've been around because they really started in the late '90s, 90s right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's kind of interesting that evolution of how thrash metal or some stuff kind of started mixing mm-hmm. in with that foundation of like New York hardcore.
0: Yeah, for sure um and well unlike, like we've mentioned this before on you know the episode previous to this one just like you know without those that new york city hardcore scene and like those bands a lot mm-hmm. of these other bands that exist now and are still doing music and still playing i don't think would have been able to exist or like hone in their mm-hmm. skills or like add even more layers to it if it hadn't been for new york city no and there? it was
2: it was also like look you know angry kids you mm-hmm. you know we i am in this all boys catholic high school it was just like i didn't feel you don't feel like you fit in maybe you do you don't you know kids are calling you names like you know this was a community and kind of a family where you're like oh i get it like i can i can i can get with this did i get completely into the scene and go live on the lower side and no you know i still was like in the suburbs you know suburban white kid like what do you want from me but you know it, it's it it it. I had a sense of belonging, or even maybe an aspiration of being able to be that one that just doesn't give a shit and just leave school and play in a band and live that lifestyle. And you know that that's something I always wanted to be. And I think that's kind of like the freedom that it it seemed to on the surface give you is something that really I think attracted me to the whole scene and all, and all that stuff. And you know, as well as the music, but I think there was a whole, a whole part of culture that was attractive to me around the hardcore scene that I wasn't getting anywhere else beyond just the music. If that makes sense,
1: Sosh, what was I'm? I, you guys both hit on something I thought's interesting. Like, what was it? you know what? What was it like being at the time being like a girl that is like mm. into that scene?
0: Um, honestly, (laughs) I mean, you're kind of looked at like, I mean, at the time, I like looking back on it, you know, when I was, I I really started venturing out into music on my own, like away from what Mm. my parents listened to when I was like 17, 18, when I was moving out of the house, I could do whatever, you know, whatever I wanted to. Um, but finding that scene and then being just automatically accepted as I was right then and there, um. Mm was the, I think the coolest part for me, like some of those friends, like are lifelong friends just because Mm -hmm. of the music and the music is what brought us together. Um, but I was like one of the dudes, you know, like no one, no one cared what, how I dressed. no one cared Mm -hmm. like what I looked like. They were just like, this is rad that like, you're into this stuff or you're willing Mm -hmm. to get in the pit. That's freaking crazy. That's awesome. And when you're younger, like you're like, Hell yeah, I'm a badass. Uh, and now I look back at that and I'm like, you know, I, I don't think that I would be as as comfortable in my own skin in my meat mm-hmm. suit, if you will, if I hadn't had that scene to like grow up in and like be accepted in. Um it meant a lot and it still does.
2: Why, why has it gotta be a <laughs> suit? Like, couldn't it just be your meat casual wear, your meat pajamas? Yeah, could, like, come could. on. <laughs> Sorry, well, Dan. You're saying
1: well, I was just say? it's it's interesting. I just asked that as like how the 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 practice meets the ideal i mean dude you know you can go all the way back like i mean i'm almost positive i'll i'll blame covid brain if i get this wrong but like you know you can go all the way back to like 7 seconds and like not just oh, voice yeah. fun. and oh, yeah. like the concept and, and and those are some of the things of of hardcore that was and and that's um, but you know, I was that's another album say, that
2: was that was like really seminal for me. It was I don't know the name of the album? But it was like what is it, rock to walk together, rock together, rock together, together. Yeah, yeah. I, I that just they're, like they're
1: from, they're from like Reno or something. I, I honestly like, don't know. West. Yeah, see, I I, don't know. I really got into that dude, and I don't know if it was mm-hmm. being Midwest, but like what I what mm-hmm. I dug at the time, and certainly some things blended together, but mm-hmm. I kind of dug that like. Black Flag and Orange County Mm -hmm. hardcore had this little thing Mm -hmm. to it that New York City hardcore did not. And like Mm -hmm. D.C. was like a little bit different. Like it was cool, you know, pre-internet, everything Mm -hmm. wasn't as homogenized. You still had a little bit of regionalism to it. Maybe that's because yeah. it's Midwest, and like we didn't pick up. No, anything. I think like,
2: I think you did. Like for me, it was really interesting. Like when I went off to college, you know, there was no internet, and you know, people were giving me these bands and stuff that I'd never heard of, like out of Pennsylvania and stuff like that. I'm like, whoa, yeah, you. It was hard to be exposed to. I mean, think about what I just said. Like my first exposure to it was like a guy that I ate lunch with in high school was friends with another guy that was in one of the bands. It's like, what? Yeah. Okay. Like and now you'd find it on the internet. You'd be able to like, look for other stuff, go down a whole rabbit hole. Like since then, as an adult gone and looked down, you know, as far back as like the MC five and like, where did like this type of like punk and angry music even start from? There's no way to discover that back then, unless somebody's older brother in the basement, when he was done getting stoned would be like, you should listen to this album. You know what I mean? <laughs>
1: Yeah. There's something to be said for that experience of those, those gatekeepers. But so like, Sasha, mm-hmm. I'm curious, like, so you're probably like, even we're, we're talking about when every time I die started, like your entry point is maybe about 10 years or a little and change after us. Like, yeah. was that regionalism? Cause obviously the internet's emerging. Like, was that still mm. like a thing for you or did that not register?
0: Um, I mean, like th- When I found like that music scene, like you just went to every show Um, Mm -hmm. and like, especially like Sioux Falls, South Dakota, it's, it's small, Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's smaller than Omaha, Um, but so we we were really limited on, you know, basically like these touring bands coming to down to town with their supporting acts, which like Mm -hmm. I saw a lot of the supporting acts before they like went on to do bigger and better things like that one band specifically that comes to mind that got, got kind of big for a little bit. And I think they actually broke up was like sidewalk slam. Like I'd never heard of them. Like I would have no, like no mm-hmm. reason to know who they were because I'm in South mm-hmm. Dakota, but they came with a bigger band that played in a basement show at someone's house. Um, mm-hmm. And so like, that's how I got to know a lot of that, a lot of those bands um, just being supporting acts or just coming through. Cause you wanted to go hang out with your friends and like, Hey, this band's playing at so-and-so's house, the 605 house in the basement. Are you coming? And like, you would stand outside and like smoke cigarettes and talk to your friends Mm -hmm. and have your jean jacket with your patches on it. And then you'd go downstairs and like have your ears blown out with a shitty PA system (laughs) in someone's basement. But like, that's how I was introduced to a lot, a lot of these bands. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, you know, that always like compounds on itself.
2: So as a girl, you know, going to your first show like that? I mean, did you go with other girl, like girlfriends? Was it a bunch of people like what, like, how did you find? Cause it was like, I remember this, like, it was just dudes. Like you, mm-hmm. if you saw like an early night, you saw one girl there, you're like, Whoa, you know? And like, so how did you kind of, I don't want to say muster up the courage. Like what inspired you to be like, you know what? I'm gonna go do this thing. I just went. Um, no I I
0: you was so like, badass, right? Jeez. <laughs> I, well, and my parents kidding? are always, like my parents are always like super into music. Like when I was mm-hmm. growing up, it was a lot of like Led Zeppelin. Like okay, my mom's favorite band is Pantera, so like it wasn't that I wasn't like introduced okay. Okay. to you know Dude. to music. So like I think she actually said, "Hey, I know that you've really been wanting to go to a concert. They're mm-hmm. playing, and this wasn't at someone's basement house." but um it was less I I yeah it was playing at like a vfw or what's now a vfw so my right, like, i am only i will take you there <laughs> right and so like i went to that show and be, I what there were like maybe a handful of girls or weren't mm-hmm. like a ton um right. you know i'd say probably 80 20 but mm-hmm. i ended up meeting people there just by being in that environment that then you know you know you exchange oh you guys numbers. froze
1: Dude, Sasha, if um if your mom's favorite band is Pantera, if you guys haven't seen this, I love Pantera, by the way. Yeah. Um, have you seen the clip where there is a um like a formally trained um she might be an opera singer or like a classically trained singer, and she like watches all these like you know, a Ronnie James Dio video. And so like yeah. she's watching like Pantera do, I think it's Cowboys. I don't know, it's something where maybe it's Cemetery Gates. Mm-hmm. And just watching her react to Phil's voice going different places—it's <laughs> so it. cool. It's super funny. Out. I'll try to send it to you.
0: Yeah, the last time I was in Sioux Falls, my mom—he uh, dropped out, so he'll be back. But was talking about the time that um, she met. Uh, so, she was like standing right behind. Um, shit! What's the guitarist's name?
1: Dimebag Daryl?
0: Yeah, yeah. No, his uh, brother. His brother. Oh. oh mm.
1: Shit
0: i don't remember Vinny, Vinny yeah, right Vinny, 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 it, paul.
1: Vinny paul thank you okay
0: um so she w- used to live in vegas and they were like at he would go to like these fucking bar shows all the time like he was known wow. for doing this and they were like sitting right next to his table my mom was like fangirling the fuck out and like shook his hand and she's like well, i never she was like you know 50 at the time i never want to wash my hand again
1: that's <laughs> great Something I wanted to ask you about, though, too, Sash, that so one thing I noticed, like for me in the the um, that spectrum of whatever you want to call this music with, I would say hardcore being on one end Mm -hmm. and like the ska swing revival being on the other Mm -hmm. is as you went this way. I saw the audiences get way more 50-50 as you yeah. go into like punk, whatever it was, a pop punk ska revival, like more and more um, male, female. But like as as you go backwards and then you go past the middle line, as you start to get to more hardcore, mm-hmm. you see it become much more, you know, 80-20, 90-10 at best.
0: yeah. Yeah, like Sasha's
1: making notes, but um, John, I <laughs> yeah. asked her to talk about that difference in the spectrum. We said hardcore on one end, like the swing revival on the other. Like when you go this way, like lots of female um, like oh, like actual um,
2: swing music, like
1: cher- like Cherry Pop and Daddies, or like Big Bad Voodoo Daddy, like all of that Hep Cat, which is really mm-hmm. swing. But in that. um swath, if you will. And then you go all the way to the other side and like on the, on the hardcore side, it was much more guys to girls, um, yeah. higher ratio of dudes.
0: But yeah, I, so, you know, like some of those first shows that I went to, it was very much like, you know, in Sioux Falls, it was a little different, I think, but even like one of my first shows here, the first show I went to here was at circle underground and it was bleeding through. And that was, okay. it was probably, I would say 90-10. Um, but I and that was another one of those shows. I was just like, I really like this band. I'm gonna go. I stood in the back by myself. But I ended up meeting like a a few people, you know, because back yes. in Sokol, the way it's a very, especially underground is a very tiny, it's very very basementy. <laughs> um, but back uh, along one of the corners, there's a bar back there. So I'd get a drink and, you know, pensively stand in the back. By the end of the show and by the time Bleeding Through I got up on that stage though, you bet your ass I was up front. I didn't care that someone was kicking or punching or like, yeah. you know, landing on my head because they are stage diving. Um, but uh, honestly, like it was super easy. Everybody's Everybody like has this assumption if you've never been to a hardcore show that like people are aggressive or mean or intimidating, but really, honestly nicest most welcoming people like they haven't seen you before especially if they haven't seen you before at a show they're like dude what's up haven't seen you before i'm so and so like do you How any sh- like what kind of music are you into clearly you like this stuff did you know that this band's coming to town like things like that that's what i've always loved about this music scene
1: yeah and i think it I think that's interesting because Sash, I I, I I want both of you guys to talk about this has been in the news a ton lately. And I always try to put an asterisk when people talk to me about it, even like my parents and be like, well, 50,000 people and 150 hardcore kids are a little different, but with everything that happened at like the Travis Scott event mm. in and even when you read more about that event in Houston and what the day was like and this sort of like escalating violence like there's almost a weird thing right of like there's this vehicle we'll call it for self-expression and it's mm-hmm. in the hands of like punk and hardcore kids that you that's there's this community scene and it's managed differently right but then if you just give it to the general person They like ram the Porsche into the telephone pole, which is maybe some of the stuff that you see at a mainstream show that's outside of like that hardcore culture. I'm just kind of curious, like, you know, what you guys think about, because like uh, um, conventional wisdom would tell you the Travis Scott show is safe. But a bunch of dudes, like we used to call them, like the Voodoo Glow Skull posse at shows with like the Septum Pierce and the Beanies and the Wife Beaters, you'd be like, oh, that's dangerous. I'm going to get really, somebody's going to be out to hurt me. And there's a couple of those things, but it's almost like reversed into like where the safety zone is, right? Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's horrible. Those people were killed. It's absolutely terrible. Yeah. And I, I wonder from my own perspective, you know, have been to shows have been in the pits and gotten hurt. Not, not obviously not badly. Is it, is it also though, like at the shows I was at, and this is just my own experience, um, you know, the people that were in the pit, like kind of wanted to be in the pit and they were there and you knew there was a pit, like are people at a Travis shot Scott show. Well, I know that he does like, he wants people to rage and he does that. Like, are the people that are doing their thing and doing their moshing that they're doing their thing, but are the other people around it? Like not really aware that that's a thing. Like I would have never gone to a hardcore show like with my kids, like at that age and brought them anywhere near the pit. So is it more that the average person, it's not necessarily the fault that it is like the average person just unaware of what a pit truly is. And they were in the wrong place, the wrong time and a terrible tragedy happened. I I don't know. I'm asking, you know what I mean? Sure. Like we were aware the pit was there. You knew where the, f it was and you were like stay away if you don't want to be in it and you know what i mean so i don't know is it just and terrible th- like they got up front they turned around and all of a sudden there's a pit behind him and uh oh I, I,
0: I think that i think that i mean obviously with the the that particular incident, there's a lot of layers there um yeah. i don't think that um security wise they were prepared enough for just the sheer amount of people. Um, Is anybody then, ever? <laughs> right. And then you have, you know, you have folks uh, like breaking down fences and running in. Um, and so you've got another, another layer you're already over capacity. Yeah. Um, and I think that at larger scale shows like that, you know, everybody wants to get as close to the front as they can. Um, and so and then that, you have that's that. that a, yep. That's the that, thing. That Sasha. crush yeah. of people. And you, and you don't yeah. think about the people that are in front of you. You don't think about, you know, I think just in the moment you're 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 having yeah. fun and you want to get as close as you can to have that experience. Um, and I think that there's just a lot of layers there. Um, mm-hmm. and, I, I and to that
2: end, wait one second before you go to that end. For them. I remember being at a nine-inch nail show sometime in the early '90s. It was after the first album came out. I don't remember where it was. It was in the city and we're against the stage. And the stage is only about like a little low, taller than knee height. I remember because I was against it. And I could feel with the opening notes of the first song, the crowd behind me surged. And for a a split second, I was convinced that I was going to hit the stage face first and my legs were going to stay where they were. And my knees were going to snap the wrong way because I was against it. And at the last minute, this like overwhelming pressure, my knees released and like, I hit the stage face first and everybody like rushed the stage. And I remember Trent Reznor didn't stop the concert at all and he did the entire concert directly in front of the drum kit with like a surge of kids like around him and then eventually other bouncers came rumor is they came from the nuclear assault show around the corner these big giant dudes and parted the sea and eventually by the fourth or fifth song got everyone off the stage and got the barricades back up so i understand the that that wanting to be at the front and pushing your way up there and getting up there. And like, there is that moment where I was like, I think I'm going to be crippled if like something doesn't give, you know? Yeah. So,
1: yeah. I mean, I, I mean, look, dude, it's not a, um, I'll screw up the pronunciation. I think it's the, uh, is it Rockstyle The big, the big European show, uh, um, oh, from know. 2000, that Pearl jam. I mean, Famously, that was probably one of the last really big on the radar. Like 12 people died in the push forward, um, I think. And, you know, not to make this about the Astro show or whatever, but like I think the push is the least concerning part of like it's it's more because we, we hear what stuff is like throughout the day. And I think, you know, dude, if I really think about it, it's it's interesting to tell that Nine Inch nail story, John, because now that I think about going to shows throughout the 90s of mm-hmm. both like Nine inch nails, grunge, like mm-hmm. alternative, becomes popular shows versus hardcore shows. It's it's a different. There mm-hmm. there is not a and and uh, Sasha. I also think you're very astute in pointing. Like, look, if you want to look at the situation in Houston, that's a lot of different things that go into it. But um, there's certainly no sense of community mm-hmm. at like something like that, or I even noticed in those like I don't know what I'm like. Like an Alice in Chains show in, I think, what's it, in like 95, because they had mm-hmm. gotten so big, there's those like core people, but they're surrounded by mm-hmm. like, at the end of the day, radio folks mm-hmm. from the mm-hmm. audience, listeners. Yeah, they like, just oh, enjoy the
2: music. Them. Yeah.
1: So, but, but a lot of times those folks come to those places and are like, oh, this is my, like, I do the moshing thing. Yeah. and they we're don't together. there's no like dude i remember when we first started going it's it's almost like people sort of like set down the rules for you like you were mm-hmm. kind of saying john There's like the pits here you don't want to be mm-hmm. somebody falls down pick them up and there's yes. there's a little somebody bit falls
2: down pick them up yeah yeah
0: like and, Sasha, and you
1: were, that's what i was
0: gonna what it was gonna bring up i think that there's a very big difference between um just like you know it, I don't wanna call it an intimate hardcore show at a smaller venue. I mean, I've been to the faint concerts before and people have had to be pulled out from the front because there's just a crush of people because everyone's mm-hmm, dancing mm-hmm. and wants to get as close to the stage as possible because they have a light show and everything's just, the atmosphere is different at a show like that, at a faint show versus going to you know see every time I die. There's mm-hmm. There's like an unspoken respect for the people around you that are at the show. You wanna be in the pit, tight. You want to be up front. You better be expecting and be Mm -hmm. ready for someone to be jumping off the stage. Um, and and, it's your job
2: to catch them. That's the other thing. If you're going to go to the front, you need to take the responsibility that you are willing to catch this. I forget what show it was. It was me. It was Jimbo, a couple of the people we were catching people and catching people and catching people and every, some dude dove and the crowd surged back and we lost our balance and like the oh. dude hit the ground. He got up, there was blood everywhere. and like, we all felt terrible, but it's like, it wasn't like we didn't catch him. Like something happened. You're like, well, oh, right. you know? And
0: yeah. So, yeah. And there's so just, how- I feel like there's some unspoken rules there at, at mm-hmm. specific, like different types of shows. I mean, hell, I've, I've been to a three doors down show before at a county, a county fair. And hmm. it was another what one of those situations. Like? <laughs> Everybody wanted to be at the front. And this was back in like, 2000,
1: 2002,
0: Mm. maybe um, when they were super, super popular. Um, But my stepsister wanted to go. So I drove her and I, you know, what the hell? It's a show, Mm -hmm. but people had to be pulled out from there because there's just a crush of people. It's just, I Mm -hmm. think that there's just different atmospheres for different shows. Um, Mm -hmm. And and when it comes to hardcore, there's just unspoken rules that you learn along the way. Like I guarantee you, I only had to get kicked in the back of the head one time to know that I don't stand on the outer part of the pit with my back. That's the worst spot. You don't stand with your back to the pit. But you learn that stuff at shows like that.
2: And actually, I would go so far as to say, Sasha, I don't think they're unspoken rules. The first time some <laughs> dude falls down and somebody screams, pick yeah. them up. That's yeah, pretty right. much a spoken no. rule. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, I think the rules are pretty much spoken, like, loudly. Yeah.
1: So how, how much, I'm curious, as, as we look to wrap this out, like, how much hardcore do you guys still listen to? How big a part of, of your musical spins is that?
2: I mean, if we look through my Spotify history, you would see that Gorilla Biscuits is at least a couple, three or four times a year, I will listen to that whole album.
0: I was just the the 2020 rap on Spotify just came Mm up. Um, And like my every single year for like the last since they've been doing this has I mean every time I dies my my top listen mm-hmm. to band. Um followed there shortly after by a lot of spute um and mm-hmm. a, a few other bands that you know, I I, I think I listen to mo- more post hardcore than I do anything else. Yeah. I mean my husband and I'll do phone roulette and 90% of it'll be it's, you know, I want to listen to this botch song or, you know, mm-hmm. Oh, we got to listen to snot now. So we I mean, <laughs> that's basically all I listen to. And on a good day or bad day, or if I'm depressed, hardcore music's where it's at.
1: <laughs> yeah. I would, I would deal with that. I still like, like new york's new york hardcore is still a sort of i would say gorilla biscuits um Civ, by the way who i loved mm-hmm. I think super underrated um mm-hmm. and h2o but like as we broaden it out i mean a band you referenced earlier sasha is like like is refused like yeah, i pull that out every and then i also pull out the video dude i remember oh, i was working I, have I was out of school oh do, you, <laughs> do oh
0: do you really I didn't realize oh, wow. that's what that was that's it awesome said, can i scream in swedish and it's in graffiti so yeah, oh sh- okay well
1: I love i'm it. gonna give myself a pass for not recognizing <laughs> that um, i don't
0: understand dan you're not up on your swedish
1: it's <laughs> a little shaky a
2: little, rough, um, a little rough yeah but dude we were
1: um i worked um i was i was the marketing director for like a really cool spot a cool idea was was called warp sports and it was very like Mm. action sports culture put together sports music and so of course i mean this is the early 2000s so like we still got serviced by like the labels late 90s Mm -hmm. early 2000s -hmm. and i remember getting like a video comp from epitaph and putting it in Mm -hmm. and the refused video is fucking bananas.
2: Yeah,
0: You're just
1: like, what is happening? This is like, I don't know what's happening, but I like it. Um, <laughs> that,
2: those samplers, that's fat music for fat people. That was another way I found stuff. That was where yeah. I discovered 10-foot pole. Shout out to Dennis. Um, I mean, I remember getting the CD, walking to work, because I had a disc man, and I, I heard this song, the getaway and I was like, what, 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 not that it's hardcore, but I'm just saying that the, 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 no, but I remember I like putting that song on repeat for the next, like, I don't know, seven or eight years. <laughs> um, but, but those samplers, that was another thing that you bring that up with the epitaph stuff and fat records. Yeah. Were you a big comp kid, Sasha? Like the compilations?
0: Honestly, like there's songs that will randomly come on Spotify. I'm like, oh my God, I love that comp. And then I got to go find it Mm -hmm. because like there are so many bands that I was introduced to just by that. Yes. Um, Just by grabbing those, like you go to, you know, um one be in magazines yeah have it like yeah. a,
2: a blow-in like a cd comp
0: right I, yep. that's
2: where i have i have one of those comps somewhere in the back there that was like in a magazine and it's got nirvana's like i think it's the one with penny royalty on it that was like the unreleased thing and that comp was like so I, I don't know just now you can get that song but back then yeah. that was like a big deal from a yeah, magazine,
1: I, I think that was a huge i mean if if you're a, if you're a younger, super, super younger listener, it is really those comps almost served as the, It was a like you'd actually have to pay for yeah. them, but like, yeah, they were really like the, the function of like a Spotify playlist of it. <laughs> it you would be like, right. You're at a show
2: playlist. Yeah.
1: And it's at the merch booth and it's, it's usually the cheapest thing, right? It's like, okay, My I best. only have like, <laughs> right. Yeah. I was like after booze and a, and a shirt, I only have five <laughs> bucks left, but like, here's Com- like 22 bands. Yeah. Okay.
0: I still have every single comp that I ever picked up at any show. And like to this day, like it's a trip down memory lane, just like, oh mm-hmm. shit, what happened to that band? Yeah. Yeah. Like those are like my favorite introductions in like some of my I mean, like you said, like the original playlist.
1: Mm-hmm. sosh can you can you like off the cuff like uh classic comp that you'd recommend that just is like as your top comp playlist?
0: I'm actually looking it up yeah, right now. It was an, it was an epitaph. Um, okay. Punk is always good. Um, gosh. I'm I don't I'm, I remember what it looked like. It was orange and it, the the actual CD itself was orange and black. That probably is my favorite one. And honestly, I could go in my basement and find it right now, but it might take me a minute. But I still uh, have it in the case. Yeah, I can't find the one
2: that I was looking to show you guys.
0: It's so. orange and black, and it's freaking awesome.
2: Mm-hmm. I
1: will, from the comps, I would say there was two, there was a, oh yeah, we're off hardcore in a way here, but there was a, a snowboard mag. I can't remember what it was. It was pink. I remember mm-hmm. that. And like, it's the first place I had heard face to face, which I was a huge fan of. Um And then um like the very first fat music for fat people where it's white mm-hmm. and it's like hand drawn. I had so like, I had never, I, that just was my first exposure to any of that, like strung out. Yeah. like, and, and those, I was like, what's this double bass sounding thing? Like I hadn't heard any of that before.
2: <laughs> no, like this so, is one, this is a comp. I mean, this is alternative, but like you lived off these things. Yeah. You
0: know what I mean? Punk Arama eight is the one I was thinking of. Oh, it's yeah. my favorite one. I still have it. Like, so that know.
1: illustrates in a, yeah. in a numeric <laughs> order. <laughs> yeah. The, the age difference. Cause like uh, fat music for fat people. uh I think, a no, I think the no alternative and the first punkorama are probably within like two or three years. Yeah. Sasha's mm-hmm. entry point is volume eight. So eight. that's yeah. the gap.
0: That's <laughs> Fair
2: point. Fair point. Well, yeah. and
0: I used to work at when I, I lived in Minneapolis for a little bit, right after I graduated high school. And so a lot, but more of the things that I started getting into were more curated because I worked mm. at a skateboard shop when I was there oh, and we gotcha. always oh, yeah. got those compilations. In.
2: Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. You
0: mentioned they that wanted you to play them prior. in the stores, right? Yes. Yep. Yeah. And they'd always send extra, you know, yeah. you at least get two or three copies. Yeah. So if you're there, did you get the ones. They box. Like a,
1: did they have the hole punched out in them or like, <laughs> the oh. cut in the, like, in the I have a
2: bunch of those from what I worked at the music magazine. The first Weezer CD up there has the hole punched in the back. Oh, that's awesome!
1: Yeah, well, sweet. Well, guys, this was a bunch of fun. Uh, We got, I think, uh, we'll we'll let it be a surprise. We got one more episode coming everybody's Mm -hmm. way um, that will close out season one. Um, We have been renewed, like it or not, uh, by Out Media for a season two. We're gonna do something a little, a little different next year that we're kind of, uh, kind of excited about. We can talk about that more in our our next time we get together. But uh, this has been fun, guys. Like, yeah, this was awesome.
0: I'm going to talk about music with you guys for like three more hours. Well, we'll right. talk about season two. You're going to be, you're going to be on a lot more. So yeah. <laughs> and everybody's, everybody's nice like, oh, we have gonna... you on camera.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That was, but by the, by the way, because so I make know sure he's I draw listening. my
0: eyebrows on <laughs>
1: <laughs> because I know he's listening. Um, no, it's absolutely, I'm sure he's not listening, but, um, big credit and thank you, Adam Fowler from jawbreaker. Like our last episode, he actually listened to it, which, cause he's that's, he's an awesome dude. Um, and he was like th- he had two he had two comments this is really good and more Sasha so uh, we <laughs> are definitely are following him. that's right we're definitely <laughs> following it. Adam's lead um, awesome all right everybody we'll talk to you all next right. time
0: bye everybody peace A Media Production